1: Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing?
0: I'm How'd doing go, well. <laughs> right. Trying to, trying I'm... to. I've, I, I will probably have started it by then, but I'm trying to get through like the last couple stages of Mario and Rabbit's Battle Kingdom so I can start a Fire Emblem engage that's sitting on my kitchen table mocking me. Mocking you with its unopenness.
1: So. Uh, <clears throat> I want to say thank you to everybody out there for joining us for this episode we'll get our shout outs taken care of right here at the beginning the first one is going to go to collar and elbow the wrestling brand collar and elbow brand.com. use the promo code Four corners podcast that's the number four capital c and corners capital p and podcast save 10 percent off your order other shout out out of me goes to asking uh, if you'd be willing to help the folks in Eastern Kentucky rebuild after the once-in-a-century flood. If you would be interested, I'm going to direct you to go to Apple Shop, dot org, and they can help you get that money where it needs to
2: go. Our other shout-out goes to Matt. That would be to Orlando Colon. Orlando Colon, part of a great tag team in his day, Uh, can do singles wrestlers, but also great tag team work. Uh, Would he work in a different era? Maybe. I think you would.
1: Matt, that sounds like a segue. It is a segue. <laughs> so, we are what we are still on uh, the series that, at least in my head, I've dubbed the Time Warp. Um, I don't know if you guys like that name or not, but that's let's what it is. Time my, warp again. Yeah, let's do the Time Warp again. Yes, do the Time Warp again. This time, the last couple times we've done it, we've taken um, singles wrestlers from one era and, and transposed them to the other. This time, we're going to do both, but we're each going to pick a tag, a vintage tag team and a modern tag team and talk about how well they do when we throw them into the other era.
2: So, Chad, yes, sir. Now that I think about it, we need to get my Night Mage back on the show uh, and just do an entire show in character. He can be uh, Dr. Frankenfurter <laughs> and we uh, <laughs> we can try to interview him and he just do it completely in character. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. honestly, we should probably have. We actually should have him back on because you know was, what? He was I, an interesting. He's an interesting guest, and he's really fun. He is.
1: He's he's a fun. He's a really good dude, and he's fun. And uh, I will, I will try and reach back out to him and see if that's uh, something that would be on his plate anytime. I've been thinking.
0: I've been thinking we need to have Tim and Dames and Chris and a lot of people back.
1: Oh. And and run some of the, run run them through the time warp while we're at it.
0: Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I bought all that jello in the pool for Tim and Dames to fight in, and I never used it. So <laughs> that's not really a fair fight, though. Tim's a big boy, and Dames is not. It would not end well for Dames. I don't Tim think. Tim has
2: the height advantage. He a has lot. the height and possibly the the reach advantage.
0: Well, I think Tim is like two dames. I think tall, <laughs> at least a dame oh, and a goodness. half.
2: It's not two times in the trench coat. Is. <laughs> uh, Damien's uh, uh, very special like power is that he, with his surgically repaired shoulder, is immune oh. to the, the cross uh, crossface chicken wing.
0: Because
2: oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to throw that on you. And it's like, oh, immune. I'm immune. <laughs> I, met, I've met,
0: I met Tim, and Tim's bigger than you are, Shad. Yeah. Yeah. He, Cuz he's like 6'5", uh, I think. Uh
1: yeah, yeah he's got two six. or he's 2 or 3 inches on me, yeah. And he's not
0: and, like uh, he's not like a lanky 6'5", like he's a, he's a big he's a big guy.
1: Yeah, he's filled out, so. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, this would be a fun exercise to uh to run people through and see what they come up with. So maybe we'll do that in the future, but uh for now, for now, we're just we're having fun doing it ourselves, um, and we're going to be doing tag teams. So, do we want to start on the vintage or modern? What do you think, guys?
0: Let's do vintage uh, first.
1: Okay, All right, yeah. let's start with the vintage. So, uh, Matt, this whole thing is your fault. Why don't you start us <laughs> off with a, with your okay. vintage
2: tag team? Okay, I'll go with the vintage tag team first. Uh, it's it's a tag team that was. Somewhat in the 90s, uh, in a, under a different name, but uh-huh. predominantly in the 80s, uh, and I thought they had a really, really great run back in the American Wrestling Association, a.k.a. the AWA, uh-huh. uh, and they had a couple of like really notable feuds in that time frame. Uh, I'd be wondering, how would the team of Bad Company... <laughs> <laughs> the song bad company from the album bad company um how would bad, bad company aka <laughs> paul diamond and pat tanaka <laughs> how would they fare how would they fare if you transplanted them they were starting their careers in the modern era the modern era
0: so i think oh my God, i love that i Steve think pat tanaka so is um <laughs> i think pat tanaka is a super underrated talent get that out of the way first
2: he, yeah and he hung in there uh even like in wcw he would be like an enhancement
0: talent oh no he bit, was he was doing jobs when i started watching in 1997 he actually had goldberg's yeah. music before goldberg had it
2: huh
0: But yeah the i think the first ever episode of worldwide i saw he was jobbing to like prince ikea or something yeah he uh
2: he for a bit he idly hung around like the the WCW light heavyweight division, um but he he would put on some good matches like back in the day I'd have to like see with like the result history for WCW Saturday Night but that's he's a excuse me he's a dude that it would be like on WCW Saturday Night like after like the early 90s where they'd have like you know Big Josh versus Arn Anderson in two out of three falls like back in, when it was WCW Saturday Night like the late 90s. He's a guy that you could count on to be like, okay, let's just have him go out and do like a 10-minute match with uh, with Prince Ikeo or Disco Inferno or somebody like that. And it's like he actually would be a pretty decent match.
0: Uh, he wrestled he, as he's, recently as um, 2021.
2: 20, I'm kind of not surprised by that. How old is Pat Tanaka?
0: Well, let's see what this says. Let's see if they have his age on here. Look he up. is 61 years old.
2: Oh wow, he's older than I thought he was. Not by much, but I mean, it would have
0: been 59 uh, when he did that match, so that
2: that kind of checks yeah. out. Uh, back in the day in AWA, I'm not as as familiar with AWA, but I know that the, like the big feud that the uh, Bad Company was in and when in the AWA was with the uh, the Midnight Rockers, who would of course go on to become the the Rockers, uh, Marty Sneddy, uh, Shawn Michaels. Uh, I think they also. They also had a feud with the Guerreros, uh, Chavo and Mondo, uh, and they held the AWA Tag Team titles, I believe, for well, a time. Uh, he, managed by Diamond Dallas in,
0: Page. Tanaka had to run in New Japan in 2022. I mean, 20. I mean, 2002. Sorry, my brain fried. Hmm.
2: What was he? Uh, what was he doing there? I think I I think I knew that. He was. But Gokudo. I,
0: was his gimmick okay, that doesn't i i'd mm. have to look it up i bet he was under a mask mm. <clears throat> Let me look um they were okay and uh, the, the most memorable thing i remember them doing is wendy richter was wrestling someone and they did a run-in and um this is when it was on espn classic so it's like one in the morning, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, they're just gonna do whatever. And I think Tanaka just hauls off and punches Wendy Richter right in the face. They're like, Oof. oh, oh <laughs> lord, yeah.
2: damn. uh, but how would they be if you transplanted them to the modern era? See, I personally feel like if you took them and put them in the modern era, like they would be fantastic. I think that.
0: There'd they be more had, they teams that at, could keep pace with them and stuff. Like they, their their match with the Rockers was really good. Like I think I think they'd yeah. be better teams for them.
2: Yeah, I think that if you were to put, I'm not saying that they would be like the best tag team of the the modern era, but I think if you put them in the modern era, they could hang and like you, they'd be having like really good matches in AEW if they were in AEW. Uh, I think that they could they would be blowing up the indie scene. Like, they would be, like, having all sorts of, like, fantastic matches on the indie scene to the point where they'd probably wind up uh, signed to, like, a big company because they there would be all this clamor to have uh, somebody sign them. And they'd, they'd probably fare better in AEW because AEW seems to respect, like, wrestling versus just gimmicky bullshit. Uh, so they would probably fare better there. I could see them even, like, in Impact doing pretty well. Uh, or I could see them working in like the Japanese promotions. New Japan, like they're kind of going through like a transitional period, but I think that, that they could actually do a good job there. They'd probably be work better in a company like NOAA, maybe, but I think if they could have a good time, I think they would actually be, they would do pretty well. They'd have success, arguably, arguably more success than they had. I mean, they, they were successful. Like, I mean, if you win the tag titles of, of like the promotion that you're based in, and then they got hired by Vince to be uh, the Orient Express. Like I do think they had like a good run.
0: But they they uh, been in a around in the span. WWF for a couple years. Yeah. It wasn't like they were gone they kinda, in six months. They were around for like the length of like a normal contract, I think, which is like two years.
2: Yeah, we we're kind of time kind of time kind of messes with us because like you think about it, back in the day when we were like kids. Uh, watching this stuff, mostly like watching it after the fact, like years after the fact, like on, on VHS or something. Like, guys seem like they hung around forever. Uh, and it's really just because, like, uh, there wasn't like weekly TV necessarily uh, for a lot of guys. And so, guys being around two or three years, like, that was like their big run. Whereas you have nowadays, you have guys like, we have, we've mentioned this before, like, guys like Dolph Ziggler has been there like 15, 16 years. Mm hmm guys just hang around forever. But uh I, I don't know. I think that they would be actually successful and that they, they may not be again, they wouldn't be treated necessarily like young bucks today or FTR or something like that. But uh they would probably have a very respectable run in uh, whatever promotion actually would hire them.
0: ROH they would have been good. Oh yeah. They would have had some good matches in
2: ROH. I'm
1: um I I'm not <clears throat> as familiar with them as I could be and not talking as much cuz I've got a sore throat. So I I'm just going to say you guys covered that really well. <laughs> and we got the we got that dumb joke back. That makes me so happy. I'm sorry. Did you have anything else you guys wanted to throw in on this one? <laughs> no. I I think I'm good. Okay uh Brad, who was your uh, your vintage pick?
0: So um I'm going to do it with an obvious one and I'm doing like the 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 modern is going to be kind of a counterbalance to them, but uh the Midnight Express. I don't think there would be wow. any issues. I think they'd be just as fine. I think Jim Cornette would have no issues being hated in this era. I think um every company would I think they would actually get a shot in WWE because, you know, New Day and the Usos They'd be huge at AEW, um, big in Japan. Like I don't like they could work.
2: Yeah. Many consider them one of the best of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we, back in the day, we've, we've done like our own like tournaments of like tag team tournaments of who we think the best of all time is. Yeah. And it's like, I honestly feel like if you were to transplant them in the modern era, they'd still be in that conversation like they're they imagine like in their prime midnight express versus like the young bucks uh even like my teams that are like younger and not as established like the midnight express versus like uh like top flight yeah uh or them in even in like new japan mm-hmm. uh it, it, they would be amazing amazing I mean, they, lucha lucha uh lucha um brothers versus midnight express imagine like how insane that would get yeah I, uh, it would just be it, i mean unfortunately jay briscoe has now passed away but like if you got if you got like uh midnight express versus the briscoe brothers Mm-hmm. uh briscoe brothers versus uh, well midnight express versus them but midnight express versus like ftr Like it, you literally could put, you could have like a generational run out of like one year of like Midnight Express versus all these top teams. Yeah, you absolutely could. And one of the ways
1: that I know that a lot of the Midnight Express stuff is evergreen is that, that myself and my tag partner at the time stole a bunch of it and it worked beautifully. Like, you know, Still big reactions, still getting over that sort of stuff. So it's um, I mean, you know, it's 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 their stuff's that good. And and they were so good at doing everything like it's. Yeah, uh, that would have been my pick, uh, Matt, like it that's it's so solid. I agree with you so much. (laughs) All right. Are we moving on over to mine or we got any? Okay. So I'm going for a lesser known. Um, I shouldn't say, well, they are kind of lesser known, but, um, for a team that's not as well known, but deserves plenty of, uh, of accolades and, uh, so my vintage team that I would pull to the present day would be the Fantastics Mm. that would, you know, um, Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers. And it is, um, you might be looking at me and going, what in the world are you doing? Hear me out for just a second. I know for a fact that, um, like, Let me me preface it with this real quick. We as a group came to the consensus that for this exercise, we could not pick the rock and roll express because the rock and roll express very literally did this like they, you know, they, they had their run, uh, in the vintage time. And then in the modern time, both, but, and so this isn't exactly cheating, but I was on a show with Bobby Fulton, Bobby Fulton, was just as good at getting the crowd buy-in then as he was back in the day An incredibly solid incredibly capable and so you know I have I have every confidence that they would be a
2: successful uh, transplant midnights uh, well sorry fantastics are uh they're almost like a forgotten team because Mm -hmm. really they should be in that conversation with some of the best of all time. Yeah. And I think that the Midnights and the Rock and Roll almost like steal their thunder uh, just because those two teams are looked at so favorably and had like such amazing matches. And maybe like we're in the moment right now, so we don't necessarily see it, but I, I think it in, in years from now, like 20 years from now, 30 years from now, like that's probably how we're going to look at, at teams like FTR or the Young Bucks or the Lucha Brothers where it's like we're going to be we're going to feel blessed to be like, I can't believe Like I was I, I lived through those teams yeah. having like amazing matches like and I was able to see them usually on TV for free or yeah. easily, easily find them on like a pay-per-view show or something.
1: Just uh, say for 2022, all those teams you listed plus the Briscoes, and it was this just
2: golden era of tag wrestling that yeah. we got to have. Uh, they're kind of forgotten, but at the same time, it's like I – there are a lot of people that, that do still remember them fondly. I am I, one of them, uh, and that's – to me, it's not quite on the level of Midnight's uh, – but it's just about like you would be seeing them have classic matches. Like Meltzer would be giving them like five stars every week. <laughs> um, they'd be amazing matches against like all the teams that I kind of listed before. Um, I, I am biased uh, as I would feel they would work better uh, in an environment or company like AEW, mm-hmm. uh, not just because AEW I feel has the best tag teams, but I do feel like the the environment would have been better for them that they would be able to put on like the matches they want to put on and bleed with the opponent, and do
0: yeah. yeah. like, remember we watched we we did watch it and it was an it was batshit insane. That brawl they had with the midnights at Clash One. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, that's that's still regarded as one of the best of all time.
0: Yeah, and and like stuff they did with the sheep herders and stuff, like um mm-hmm they worked all Japan when that was like a super physical style. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, Tommy Rogers is a really great talent. We watched him versus Tracy Smothers at ECW. We were getting pissed off that they didn't get a wrestle more. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. I think I, he and Bobby almost... Fulton even wrestled each other in the, um, that WWF light heavyweight tournament. Like when, Takamichi Noku won like the inaugural belt.
1: Okay.
2: Wow, I, that, I haven't thought about that in so long. I do kind of forget that uh, that he that he was in ECW for a time, like a brief time. Uh, yeah. The, I just remember him doing like atomic crazy to people.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, if you have not seen. Stuff from the Fantastics. I, I can't go look them up.
0: They're they're and... pretty accessible. They had a UWF run. They had a WCW run. Um, I think they had a world class run. They they were everywhere in the 80s, so they're they're easy to find if you just put like Fantastics wrestling into YouTube. Mm-hmm. Now make sure you're not getting the the um, the new Coke version, which is Bobby and Jackie Fulton, because it's not as good.
1: No, it's not. It's not. And that was that was literally Bobby Fulton's brother. Yeah. But it's 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 not the same dynamic. No, it's it's really not.
0: Because because, you know, Tommy Rogers is like the more talented one, but they don't he just they just work well together. And um, Jackie mm-hmm. just does not bring. Bobby Fulton does not have the same energy with Jackie and Jackie is not near as talented as Tommy Rogers. Right. Oh, and Tommy Rogers also did an episode of Stone Cold's podcast, like pretty did he soon really? before he died. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Brad and I got to talk to uh, Bobby Fulton once. Um,
0: yeah, it that was, was sad. Later on. Unfortunately, he's very messed it up. It was
1: yeah. He he'd had a stroke.
0: He's a very um, sweet man, though.
1: He's he's very kind, very sweet, and um, it, before that. Before that, when I was in the locker room with him, he was probably the most gracious veteran that I ever had the honor of sharing a locker room with. That's not true. he top two because that's that's Bobby Fulton and Bobby Eaton. Let's not forget, but mm-hmm. uh you know, I mean, think about that for a second whenever I'm talking about vets who were who were good to you that's that's like top tier stuff, so.
0: Bobby Bobby Eaton still has my favorite story ever about how Bill Dundee found out his daughter was dating a wrestler and he was getting all pissed off wanting to know who it was. And she finally breaks down and says Bobby Eaton and he just like stops dead in his tracks. And he's like, well, you picked the right one and like went back to eating his dinner or whatever.
2: Yeah. I don't know that anyone had, I don't think I've ever heard someone have a bad word for Bobby Eaton. No, he was very, very gracious. Uh, and just a good worker. Not an, well, obviously a good worker, but very like giving worker. Not, unselfish, uh knew his role and didn't didn't mind putting other people over, making other people look good.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's also he's also why you should be a nice person at work because like WCW paid him for like 4 years more than they ever had any use for him just because they liked having him around.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Um, that's our, the vintage tag teams we had there. And it's, it's hard because you don't get as, I mean, there's, there's just more singles guys out there. So it's kind of harder to, um, it's a little bit hard to talk about, but we're going to, I think we're going to step on over to our, our, um, contemporaries that we think would go back in time pretty well. Uh, -hmm. and, I'm going to go ahead and do mine first because, frankly, uh, I consider this one kind of a gimme. It's kind of cheating here. Um, but this is the part where I say FTR because their gimmick is almost literally we wrestle like old school tag teams used to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And the thought of getting to watch an FTR Midnight's match gives me goosebumps. Um FTR versus the Midnight Express in their prime is just, you know, just just the possibilities, all the teams they could have gone up against and how well they would have meshed with them. Ah, it, it it warms my little withered heart.
0: This is what I say to that for FTR. What would you joke. say? Yeah, it's not working. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, no, we got it. That's, yeah, that's it. But no, uh... I
0: think they'd be fine, look wise, work wise. Um, they are hyper professional. I think, um, I think like their matches with the Briscoes would, were like old school in every concept. Yeah. I think Flair would have loved them. Um, Doing like tags against like Barry Windham or like Dustin Rhodes back in the day, I think would have just been outstanding stuff. Um, oh, yeah.
2: they would have been they would have been outstanding. Again, this I I kind of lament a lot all the time about how like Meltzer has kind of like ruined his star ratings. Yeah, yeah. but because like everything now is like four to five stars or higher, and it's like <laughs> as the old joke goes, it's like when. Uh, if everything's five stars and nothing is, it's, like yeah. it, it's lost like the importance of it. But
0: yeah, technically like, imagine... he broke his scale in the 80s and early on because it, the going to five stars was actually breaking the scale because it was four stars before. If you go by like oh, movie okay. movie rating mm. systems,
2: fair. But if you if you want to go like five, because it was five stars in theory, five stars forever. Like, Mm -hmm. so going past it, I feel, and and going, like, so many things, four stars and up, like, I think broke it, because as we've talked about before, like, if you, if you had a pay-per-view back in the day, like, let's say it was eight matches, and, like, three or four of those matches were, like, four stars, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is, like, this is one of the best pay-per-views of the decade. Yeah. Uh, And you would probably have been right for that decade at that time. Uh, Point is, like, yeah, FTR... F- let's go like early 90s, like FTR versus like Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes. Like that would have been insane. Like you would have been like that. That would have been like a five-star match. There probably yeah. would have been blood. It would have been like just insane, like fantastic. Even like people like we were now like watching like the Dangerous Lion stuff. Mm-hmm. Imagine FTR back in the day against like Bobby Eaton or, uh, Arn Anderson, like that tag team. Or back in the day, like against the uh, the Brainbusters, like the the Four Horsemen, yeah. amazing. Oh my God, it would have been amazing. Oh my God! You could have had, You could have even had FTR go against guys like the Road Warriors. When the Road Warriors, were, their gimmick was like they just went in there and beat the shit out of people. Like somehow FTR would have made that work and made it compelling.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was trying. And to, they
2: are.
0: Um, I was trying to think. you're So would you? good
1: at making other teams look good too.
0: When you're talking about um how the the scale rating got busted, I was trying to think about how many just sticking to modern, how many I've given five stars that we've watched over the almost five years now that we've been doing this, and I can think of three that I gave five stars to, which was Dustin and Cody, Kenny and Brian Danielson and um Surrey and utami are the three i can think of that i've i've solidly felt were five stars that we've watched
2: it's a it's a classic one but again like we we, we talked about like uh hansen and Andre the giant yeah. yeah it's like i actually give that five stars and it's not like this is some sort of work rate uh amazing piece of work rate it's just like that whole thing just as a spectacle and everything that was going on, I, I would argue it's a five-star I match. I would say but,
0: that's easily five stars.
2: Yeah, now, but in, in that you, scope... I'm yeah. sorry, Matt, finish your thought, please. I, I, I agree with Brad that it's like... You, the actual number of matches that I think should be five stars or in that realm, actually, I think are like very few of the mm-hmm. stuff we've seen. So, yeah, it's like I, I, I don't and to hand out five-stars easily.
1: Yeah. Well, what I was going to say, and no, we haven't reviewed them for the show, but I watched all three of the FTR Briscoe matches, and you got to remember, I love tag team wrestling. I would feel solidly comfortable saying those are all five-star matches because mm-hmm. they're... They are just outstanding in like every way. So <clears throat>
0: At absolute worst, the dog collar match was five stars. Um, yes, I would God. think. I think in my opinion, the first match they had is actually the worst one, which I might give four and three fourths, and then I'd probably give the other two five stars. Mm-hmm.
1: That first match, I watched it and I sat there, and I thought to myself. That was one of the most the one of the best tag matches I've ever watched. Yeah. And they got better from there. I don't want to take away from that first match in comparison. I think it's I, I think it would be unfair to look at the first match on its own and go, that's a five star match. And then you watch the other two. Well, the first one wasn't as good. But if that maxed out the scale for you when you watched it, I would not say that it's less good. It's just the others somehow found a way to kick it up, and that's hard to do with a hard and fast scale like that. But.
0: And I think um, I made Shad watch it. I don't think Matt Matt watched it, but that that Minami Toyota versus Aja Kong match we watched, I think five mm-hmm.
2: stars. Uh, I'm not really surprised by that.
0: That's the one. <laughs> I, that's the one where like Aja Kong's pretty much just killing her, and like every move Toyota is going for is just an absolute bomb to try and try and get her down. And then like Kong just has this growing like kind of I, what was the emotion? It was kind of disappointment that she couldn't get Toyota down, and she had to like figure out what she was doing next. I
1: look, I looked at it as more kind of an exasperation because. Kong would flatten her with something and go for the pin and Toyota would like scream and bridge out of it. And Kong would go. Alright. But I'm like do something worse now.
0: People might bitch that it was too spotty on Toyota's part, but it made sense in the match where she knew she couldn't stand with Kong for long. So I think even like five seconds of the match, she hit some big move off the top rope. Because like I said, oh, every, yeah. everything she was going for was just I have to I have to knock her out as quickly as possible because I don't stand a chance.
1: Yeah, that that is very true. And that played into the storytelling because she wasn't trying to do a bunch of moves to set up for something big. She just started throwing bombs immediately. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you're right.
0: Kingston and Quackenbush would probably be pushing on five, but it's not five. Like I'd give that four and a half, maybe four and three fourths. But that's probably that's probably one of my matches of the last decade, though. It was really, really good.
1: It, I I would not have said it's quite five star, but it was really, yeah. really good.
0: It yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if ROH had any. I guess the Punk Joe matches and um. There's another one I'm not thinking of. And I'll think of it later.
2: Okay.
1: All right. So there you go. FTR. That's that's the gimme of the round. Is Well, yeah, of course you're going to say that because that's their deal. But uh, Brad, who's your modern team you'd throw back?
0: So I'm actually picking what I would consider to be the modern day um, Midnight Express. Um, yeah, suck on it, Jim Cornette. Um, so I'm taking the young bucks.
1: Okay. There we go. So guys, that, bucks.
0: guys that kind of change the face of like tag wrestling, um, very innovative, innovative offense. Um, really just good workers. Like, I think they're underrated sellers. Um, they're underrated heels. Just how good they right. are making you like fucking hate them.
1: <laughs> okay they're so good at being obnoxious
0: well i mean and even it's, it's not even Go like ahead. nick changing his hair to just piss people off
1: Mm-hmm. i was gonna it's <clears throat> people get this idea in their head that for someone to be a good heel they have to do you know the most despicable thing so you hate them the problem is they're forgetting that you can have a heel who is just so obnoxious and annoying that you want to see someone beat the living hell out of them. Kind of a Buddy Landell effect. And the Bucks are good at that.
0: Well, and they, they take crowds that are predisposed to cheer them and, like, turn them on them. Which I think is really an underrated talent
1: it's really hard to do
0: and their cage match with um the leadership brothers was excellent oh my god
1: oh right. my god that was my match of the year I loved it so much Matt you got any thoughts you want to throw in on this one
2: they it's it's really tough because they're it's tough to say this because like there's actually so many but they probably are the best modern tag team. Uh, and they've been having amazing matches like well over a decade uh, and that's cr- kind of crazy if you if you think about either the oldest one Who, who's the older one Nick or Matt uh, I, it wrong. I think
1: Matt Nick is the Nick's the older one is that right and I think Matt's the, the more vocal of the two yeah
0: well, think about this okay, their so their t their TNA run is like a decade in the past now.
2: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, and back when they were doing like PWG. Yeah. The the day, it's like long before PWG became what it did. Um, and then of course, obviously, they started doing work for Shikara, and then they did stuff with uh, Ring of Honor, obviously, and Bullet Club in New Japan, which. Really made things uh, blow up. Like the total, the TNA stuff. It's like I um, I really forget that they did that. They were that.
0: That. I think they wasn't won really the X Division title at one point.
2: <clears throat> I don't remember. But the point is, like, looking. I looked it up. Like, Matt is the oldest one. He's only thirty-seven. He's almost thirty-eight. Uh, Nick is going to be turning thirty-four this year. It's like. They have been so damn good for so damn long, and, and neither one of them is actually 40 yet. They're not even, like, that close to 40.
0: They're like, barely old enough Matt to had, get pushed in is, WWE.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Matt's the older one. at he'll, he'll be turning 38 in March. So it's like they have they have a couple the oldest one Matt is has a couple years before he turns 40 if they want to keep doing this they can keep doing this at probably at a very high level for mm-hmm. years more and they already have like had some of the best tag matches of all time I would argue so if how would they be if you transplanted them from the modern era to like the vintage era they'd be fine like they they really are a tag team that it's like you, you, they would have been that equivalent of like the rock and rolls, uh, the rockers, the midnights. Um, it's tough to, that's tough, the fantastics. Like that's, it's, it's almost unfair to say that because obviously I feel like those tag teams influence the, the, the Bucks. So it's almost like you're just supplanting them to that modern, that, that, uh, that vintage era. But I mean, isn't that, isn't that like the, the highest compliment you could? say is like oh yeah i think you're as good as or would have been as good as those classic tag teams of all time yeah, yeah. like that's Just. that's really what What more can you say like they would have been fantastic and I, I get what your point where it's like you know in the face of jim Cornette, it's like yeah the bucks would have been as good as the midnights or okay. better
0: Well, they're kind of like the modern day Midnights, though, because I know Cornette won't admit it, but you know that the old like timers from like the 60s are bitching about these damn kids and all their flippy flops and shit when like the Midnights were on TV.
1: Brad, didn't you find a quote from a a veteran in the 50s who said that they said that very thing about guys in the 50s
0: doing shoulder tackles? Yeah, like it's been around forever. I think they were bitching about, like, Fez and stuff doing too many shoulder tackles, and they were killing the
1: business. (sighs) That, that, it kills me. Do you remember when we had Duke Allstriker on? And his thing was, if the, if the idea is, we want to get people to come and see the show, working an arm lock for ten minutes ain't gonna get people in the door. You have to get people excited to come see your stuff. So, yeah, they're probably not going to be interested in um you know, they're probably not going to be interested in seeing it's like, oh, you know, it's we're going to work the arm tonight and uh they're they're not going to be up for that. They don't they have seen cool stuff happen. You need to do stuff that is engaging and at least kind of cool to get people to want to come see your stuff or they're not going to be there. And that it bothers me that there are veterans who are of that opinion. And then you have some veterans who are like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I can't do that. Um, but, you know, if that's what you're going to do, do it as long as you can. Uh, who look around and go, you know what? It, it, The business keeps evolving like every other business on the planet. It, it's old timers gripe about, you know, they don't make cars like they used to. And it's like, well, no, but. Fewer people die in car wrecks now. It still happens, but fewer people die in them because cars, <laughs> by and large, are a lot safer. Or, you know, it's like, well, it, 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 throw that onto any other industry that's had lots of progress too. It's like, oh, these planes get to places too fast now. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? Any, any performance art, well, I found that- any competitive sport has had this progression happen. As people understand it more, get the mechanics better and get better at it, they're going to do things that they didn't used to do in the old days because it's more effective.
0: I just found a a Wrestling Observer interview with Carl Gotch bitching that Harley Race and um, Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask were killing the business by doing too much flippy shit essentially.
1: I cannot tell you how much I hope uh, I wished it actually said flippy shit as the, in the transcript.
0: He said aerobic but, stuff.
1: Aerobic <laughs> stuff.
2: <laughs> the okay. soft skill way of saying. Yeah. Flippy right. shit. Oh, they doing too many aerobics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Amazing. All right. Everything
2: is killing the business.
1: Yeah, always, everything's I, killing the business. Everything is. Oh, they're killing the business. It's like, no, they're not. And then the thi- the things I hear some veterans wax nostalgic for are things like, we sure as shit don't need to be doing this. Like, all oh, these people are being wimps about chair shots. It's like, dude, this is why you only chew with one side of your mouth anymore. It's like, no, it's, chair shots not happening that way are, are a good thing.
2: Yeah, it's uh this is a whole other separate argument, but it's like when the Undertaker is like, "Ah, oh, all these guys like all they do in the good pack is just play video games." It's like Yeah, okay. Um
0: yeah, but I, I they're defend not, They're not
2: him. going out and dying.
0: I defend dying. him. I defend him on that though. I don't think he was shitting on it. He was just saying it makes me like wax poetic about my youth is kind of like what I think he meant.
2: Maybe. But it's like, what are they supposed to be at the bars, like getting drunk? Or are they supposed to be like doing, like popping pills, like so many guys did? And they, you wonder why during that like late 90s or the 2000s era, like guys are dropping dead, uh, yeah. like left and right dropping dead. It's like, I, mm, yeah, no. maybe, maybe it's okay to let them play video games. I,
0: I kind of get it. Like some of the guys are better at the argument than others. Like I've heard Honky Tonk Man I think complain about it, but like he was coming at it from the angle of like. Like, well, shit, I go back there and everyone's staring at their phone. Like, I want to talk to people and shit. Like, I get that.
1: Honky Tonk had one of the funniest responses I've ever heard in another interview. They go back there and people are on their phones and playing video games. And there's half-naked gorgeous women walking around and ain't nobody talking to them. (laughs) It's like, why the hell not? What are you doing? (laughs) That's, But... um, It's... I look The only criticism I have heard someone make, and for the life of me, it's kind of hard for me to to get this, or to remember who it was, but I, I heard one guy say, I don't like seeing people you know, gaming and on their phones and all that sort of stuff because they're not talking to anybody, and they're not practicing anything, and they're not trying to get better. It's like, you know what? That's a valid criticism, but yeah. replace phones and video games with playing cards. Tell me, does that sound familiar? Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, um, Depends on how they're playing video games. Like if they're just playing on their phone and not talking to anyone versus like, oh, they someone brought, you know, they're sitting there like bullshitting while they're playing like on their Switches is like more what i i would say are two different things because like i think when you're playing cards though you can at least be talking and like fucking around and stuff but you can also do that playing video games so i think i think there's yeah. degrees to that if you're sitting there not <clears throat> talking to anyone playing on your phone like i get the bitch there but if they're if you're coming in and there's two guys playing on their switch and they're talking to each other like just stop being an old man about it
1: Well, the concept they were going for is they're sitting in the back before the show playing on their phones instead of like being in the ring like, you know, I want to work this out or I'm wanting to try this or I'm wanting to learn how to do this thing. It's like, okay, that totally get it, totally valid criticism. And some of the most fun I had was even before the show started going out and being like, okay, there's a spot I want to do. Can you help me work it out? Can someone help me figure this out?
0: yeah but how do they know and, that I didn't call you while I was driving to the show, and we like talked it out before we got there, but i
1: mean you're you're not out there like you know can you do a scissor kick without busting your ass? You don't know until you go out there and try it, right?
0: Well, if you've done it in and, a different show and you know you can do it like right, but
1: you, you get the point I'm saying is there like that's the one valid criticism I'll take now the on the other side. There are some guys who are just resting up because Al Snow put it this way. He goes, "You've only got so many spots on your bump card before you're worn out." Mm-hmm. And there are those guys who are like, every show you got to go out there and run bump drills and that. So he's like, "No, if they're going out there and they're trying to learn new things and trying and that sort of that's one thing, but making people go out there and do bump drills because you're wanting to flex on them, no, that's pointless and that is that is." taking away from their career don't do that wwe's
0: bad about that
1: yeah when you're training of course you do that because you've got to build the muscle memory but once you're done with that there is no good reason
0: yeah i i feel like i feel like based on what i'm seeing the performance center thinks training people is having them do like bump drills and hindu squats after they've been there for like three months and it's like okay well you need to like teach them how to do shit now instead of just doing like that stuff
1: bump drills and hindu squats were a way i i witnessed of weeding people out who just think that doing the rest of sorry, doing the wrestling is cool as opposed to really wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. And like the guys who really wanted to do it, are like, okay, I'm doing all this stuff and okay, I've collapsed and I've puked or something, but it's like, you know, give me a little bit and I can get back into it. It's like, okay, look, you, you really want to do this. Okay. But then there are the people who are like, why do we have to keep doing hindu squats? And you're like, uh-huh. Okay. And I'll admit there were a few times where, you know, I helped set up the ring and got everything up there. And then one of the, one of the guys, but I' like, we going to do squats and bump drills? And I'd be like, okay, going to go talk about the match later and go, go to the locker room. Cause it's like, I'm not, I'm not filling up my bump card because someone arbitrarily declared it. It's like, that's and cause I was older than people when I got into it too. And it's like, no, nah, no, no, that doesn't seem like a good idea.
0: But there's a, I think there's a point in your training too, though, where it's like, no, I don't, I don't need to do that anymore.
1: Yeah, it, it, you, you, yeah, kind of what I'm getting at. So.
0: Because that's what that's the problem I think we've talked about before that I have with a lot of that, and I, I think that's what the performance center does, is where you think. Just putting them through like calisthenics and like physical drills is like training them and it's like, no, there's a point where you're just wasting their fucking time.
1: They've got that. With
0: busy work, yeah.
1: You've got it you've gotta teach them how to do stuff. My my favorite, um God, I think it was Okada that said was it Okada or I someone from japan i can't remember who and i don't want to throw it on okada necessarily it might have been suzuki for all i remember who said the problem that i see with performance center is they everybody that comes out of there, their game is super well-rounded and no deficiencies but everybody that comes out of there is the same nobody comes out of there who maybe they're not good at this it was suzuki
0: yeah because he said (laughs) that because he said like you know, they take these people and they try to smooth everything over and then everyone's like a gray blob of nothing. But like you get a guy like John Moxley, like there's shit John Moxley can't do. And that's what makes him great.
2: Yeah. Cause he's <laughs> really is like good that, at other stuff. That's amazing insight, which I mean, you would hope that a guy like Suzuki would, would know, but it's like, yeah, that's, it's like, it, you, you don't have people actually articulating that in a way that Suzuki did. It's like, well, well, damn. Yeah, that's that's part of the why Moxley is so compelling. It's like he can't go out there and do everything. Like there's there's shit out there he can't do. Uh, but what he can do and the way he does it and how he works around like any deficiencies or, or deficits is what is actually compelling.
0: Well, it's kind of like um, <clears> if you play D and D. Um, this is going to be a really weird analogy, but I think it fits. If, you, if you're taking your skill points every time you level up and trying to put points into everything, you're not going to be good at anything because you diluted your, your talent pool out too much. But if you focus on a couple things, then you're suddenly useful because you're probably better at a couple people than like maybe social skills or some athletic abilities, and then you stand out because you specialized.
1: There is a, um, a professional development training I went through once. And it was it was called Trombone Player Wanted. So if you ever want to look it up and the concept behind it was, okay, yes, we know that, especially in school, there's a certain level of proficiency that you you want someone to have. But it comes to a point when if they've got a B in math, but they're blowing it away in English. What do you do? Do you lean into their talent and put your energy towards taking this thing they're talented at and making it exceptional? Or do you go to this thing they're not as good at and try and pull it up further? And that second thing is what that's the comparison in my head that I hear when I hear that Suzuki quote is he's they're trying to pull everybody's thing up to here. As opposed to being like, "Okay, this guy's a great grappler, this guy's a great flyer, this guy right here is a great brawler. Let's invest in them and get them better at that stuff, and that was shit that I caught sometimes, like, Oh, you don't do that, you because you, I hated chain wrestling, okay that it just it it did not flow for me. I could do a little bit of it, and, we're gonna go out there and chain tonight, and I'd be like, Well, uh, we can that's not what I'm best at, but we can it's like oh, no, you never learned how to chain. I'm like, no, I didn't say that. I said I don't prefer to do it. Because I was kind of more of a brawly type. And they're like, oh, you never learned how to work. And I was just like, okay, you know what? <clears throat> we'll chain for your part of it, and we'll do the other part for my... When 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 you're in control, we'll do your chain stuff. And when I'm in control, I'm going to do my stuff. How's that
0: sound? And... So I know you're bigger than most of the guys you worked with. So like if you and I were to work, why would I? Like let's take this in a kayfabe way. Why the Mm -hmm. fuck would I try and chain wrestle with someone that's way bigger than me?
1: The idea is that by getting joint control, you're able to neutralize a lot of the size advantage.
0: But I would just, but like in a wrestling sense, in a more exciting crowd sense, I would attack your legs, and probably try to. Hit and run you because that's more aesthetically pleasing and makes more sense in like a combat sport way than kind of like trying to chain chain wrestle you, which is gonna look like shit because of our size disparity. and um obviously isn't playing to your strength at the same time. Like I just God people are dumb sometimes, <clears throat> yeah, and also if I'm hitting There's... and if I'm hitting and running and attacking your legs, that also, allows your offense to flow more naturally instead of having to contrive ways for you to get up and do your mm-hmm. shit.
1: If you ever run across some of those guys that have been on the indies their entire career and never gone anywhere, I would not be surprised if they had conversations like that at some point. Like, oh, well, you can't do this. That's what we're going to It's like, don't nobody give a shit about an entire match of you working a wrist lock. Doesn't happen. It it really doesn't. You know, it's, it's, it's the new millennium. Nobody cares that your signature hold is a wrist lock.
0: Nobody does. I feel like though, I feel like if you're working with someone for the first time, I'd be like, okay, well, what do you suck at? Okay, let's not do that.
1: That the, the usual conversation was, all right, what do you do? And I'd be like, I do a lot of martial arts brawling with a little power thrown in and a lot of guys would be like, all right, cool. Um, so you like the, you like the leg kicks. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right. That's what we'll do. And you know, my, my default go-to is was I was going to, when I was a face anyways, I'd use leg, use leg kicks to try and set my way up to an ankle lock. Easy, right? Simple, long reach, good kicks, that sort of stuff, weakening that body part, going for it, all that psychology sounds great, doesn't it? Then you have some people like, you don't need to be throwing strikes. No, no, you need to be learning how to do something else. like, dude, if I've been at this for six years, do you think maybe, just maybe, I might have figured out a little bit of what works for me? No, no, we're going to do this my way. And you know what happens? The match looks like shit because of it.
0: I don't understand, so if I'm that <clears throat> other guy, why why would I want to drag you through some, a match you're not good at and doing stuff that you're not used to doing? That just sounds like a fucking pain in the ass.
1: Because what it does is it lets them look good at what they do and tear you down in the process so they look better by comparison.
0: I just sound it's veterans.
1: Pre- it's veterans protecting their spot by tearing down people they see as a threat to them.
0: Yeah, but they don't look good That's when they're ex- having a shitty match with someone. Even if
1: doesn't doesn't enter into their thinking, Jesus does not because they they think people can't tell the difference. People. They I had one guy come in to a place where I was like the number number two, maybe number three babyface in the company, and start saying this shit to me, and I said to him like. I mean, we'll do it that way if you want to, but it's not going to go over well. People here are used to certain things out of me. He goes, ah, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. We'll do it this way. And you know what happened at the end of the match? People, it damn, it was the opener and damn near killed the show. And people were just, like, we get to the end of it and people are just like, it, it's it's quiet. They're not booing or anything. It, it's just a big silent turd. Could and we you- get to the back, of like, oh. What call, what was that? And I was like, dude, they know me here. They expect me to go out there and and strike and beat and that sort of stuff and go for the ankle lock. All those things you said I shouldn't do, they were waiting on. They were calling for it. Could you hear the collective and he goes, was, like their
0: it. Can you hear the could you hear the collective like their phones flipping up since You know, it
1: it wasn't as much that, but it was just like the the noise level in the building kept going lower and lower and lower. And then he tried that fat ass tried to give me advice afterward. He started saying, like, these people you need to watch this, what you're going to do, and that sort of stuff. And I just kind of sat there and let him talk. Next show I came to, because here's the other thing. This fat son of a bitch told me the wrong finish. He the promoter said, yeah, I'll put you on the show if you put him over. He came to me and said, well, the promoter wants uh, wants me to go over for this. And I was just like, God, I just like you. Know, fine, whatever. you know, Because I knew my heat was solid enough with the fans of that company. I was like, whatever. I find out later he changed the finish. So he rolls up to me at the next show. He's like, so did you take that advice I gave you? I looked at me and I go, no. He goes, well, why not? And one of the other, it was actually Alex Angel, looks at him and goes, yeah, it's because he doesn't suck. And I look him in the eye and I said, what was the finish to our match supposed to be? And he starts kind of stammering. and I'm like, go away. You know, why? He's trying to put himself over at my expense. That's I. God. And that right there, that kind of stuff. I see all the time colors, my opinion of someone being like, Oh, he's a veteran in the back who wants to give everybody advice. It's like, maybe I don't want your fucking advice
0: but how 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 do the this is this kind of like goes back to like the Star Wars stuff. How do these people why do these people think people don't know the difference between good and bad and what they want to see and what they don't want to see? Like that's what I don't understand. Oh, I don't. It's like it's like Rian Johnson is stupid like subverting expectations. It's like, yeah, that's fine, except when it's Star Wars and people have certain expectations of what they want to see from a Star Wars movie. Yeah,
1: yeah. You, you don't you don't go to McDonald's and then order a Chardonnay. Yeah. You're you're there for a Big Mac and a and a and a McDonald's Coke. You don't right? Like that's
0: you, you don't write a Spider-Man movie and be like, well, what if Spider-Man wasn't Spider-Man anymore? It's like,
1: Hmm.
0: it's the first movie. Let's not.
1: Yeah. So I'm sorry, we got kind of far abreast because I got off on a rant there. Um, Young Bucks in other
0: times. Yes, I think... Sorry about that. I think Matt's up next for our last
1: one. Yes, Matt has his
2: his current team heading to the past. My current team, uh, I... I personally think this has this is a an underrated tag team mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me and one that has a lot of versatility like they should be doing more in their company and they might they might do more uh, I just read uh, in the aw dark elevation report that they got like a huge reaction uh, but if you put them in the vintage era I think that they would have they would have had like a really good run uh, and that's the butcher and the blade. Um, oh both guys I think are good workers obviously like blade uh is a good worker uh didn't he go by pepper parks I think he's been around for like a long time mm-hmm. uh and I mean he actually is responsible for training uh Andy I think it's Andy Williams like the yeah, the butcher Andy Williams. yeah uh who was uh, it's it's been noted before but he was like part of an actually well-known like rock band uh and has been doing wrestling just now is like his main gigs. I think his rock band has disbanded, but it he's doing, a, he must be doing it just because he loves it. I and mean, it's like, that's kind of impressive to me, to a guy who's like in his late thirties, early forties, uh, just to do this because he loves it. But, uh, when they first broke into AEW, because they had been around doing some indie stuff for a bit, not long, maybe a couple of years before, um, <clears throat> they blade looked much the same, uh, but butcher looked a lot different. He slimmed down a lot. Um, I think to his credit, cause he looks, he's still very large and, and physically imposing, but he does look like he's more light on his feet. Uh, and just that both of them have like a really good, like aesthetic. And I think that they're a much better tag team than it's given credit for. they, Obviously, Tony Khan and AEW has tried to get them involved in stuff because you know, they were part of that whole like Hardy family office stuff.
0: Yeah, they have uh, had got... some unfortunate um, <clears throat> injury luck.
2: Yeah, yeah. And they got a uh, they got transitioned into like the Andrade back when Andrade was doing stuff. Like I don't even know what's going on with Andrade anymore. Like you know he's either not with the company anymore, or he's just on ice, whatever. But yeah. they're still around. Like I feel like that was just obviously from TK to get them continuously like in matches on, on TV or involved in stuff. But there's, they're, they're a lot better than they're given credit for. Um, yeah. And they're, and they're, a,
0: a, they're, an, they're older too. So that's kind of the injuries, but I was looking Pepper parks up just cause I was curious. He's, he's been, he debuted in 2000 and he was trained <laughs> by Les Thatcher. So he's, he's been, he is a vet. Yeah he's a vet, uh,
2: I think he's a pretty good worker like that, that's a tag it's, this is the, somewhat the issue with AEW, and it's not like a bad issue to have, but it's like there are there are so many good teams in AEW right now, and the acclaimed are, have just organically become like a really, really popular amazing tag team that I, I would not take the titles off them, but If down the road, and I mean down the road like in the next year or two, like if you're taking the titles off them, putting on a different team, it's like I don't know that I would put them on Butcher and Blade, but I think Butcher and Blade deserve to be like a featured, like top tag team. Because I think they're I think they're good enough. Like, are they gonna go out and have like an amazing cage match with the young Bucks? Like, I don't know, but they're good enough that they could be like in good stuff on like dynamite. If you transported them to the vintage era, uh, I actually think that they could have like a an even bigger type of career, uh, mm-hmm. just based on like their they're good workers, so like that would be in their favor. But just their aesthetic,
0: yeah.
2: Like <clears throat> to me, while they would not be the same, I think you could put them on the same level, not quite at the same level, not like as big as they were, but you could, you could easily slot them into like a tag team where they're almost like your version of, uh, road warriors.
0: I, or think, um, it, I actually think, um, where <clears> they would <throat> really excel aesthetically, um, is like a couple of 80s balls, like Jimmy Del Rey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay.
1: I look at those two guys and, from seeing them a few times, the thought struck me as, like, they look like a scary roughneck tag team from around the 80s. Now, maybe n- not with quite as much, like, black leather as they might use, but they look like old-school, scary, tough guy
0: They wrestlers. look like 80s action movie villains, like Bruce Willis should be killing them in a Die Hard movie at the end.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> it, my My read on it was these are the kinds of guys that you get to the end of the big team up movie where for some Arnold and Jean-Claude Van Damme teamed up for a movie and they are beating the piss out of these two guys. Well, like these two guys are beating the piss out of Arnold and Van Damme until they, they pull some kind of slick move to, to finally beat them. But it's like, these are the two guys that ought to be wailing on them. Like these are the, the threats kind of thing. but um yeah it was a i think it's great because i think they look like they they would be They they look like they would belong in that era you know it's it's i can uh i can't put my finger on uh, visually who they remind me of but they they look like they belong there
2: yeah i uh even though I just gave this whole spiel of how, like, they they could be, like, in the the Red Warrior spot. Like, now that I think about it, like, imagine them in, like, 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 late 80s, like, Crockett. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They'd be just beating the shit out of guys and, and then having, like, like a 20-minute banger with uh, Rock and Roll. Mm -hmm. Or the Fantastics. Or even the Midnights. Or you could have them, like, you could, you could, Do like a whole program with them as like really roughneck heels against like uh I don't know Dusty Rhodes and Magnum. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would have had a lot of versatility, I think it even could have worked in like 90s WCW. I'm not. I think they would work less well because just because like the tag division there wasn't really great until uh so more like the mid to late 90s. But they could have worked there, too.
1: I, Matt, you, you said something that set off an amazing thought in my head. Can you imagine Ricky Morton doing face and peril with these two guys? And Ricky Morton's, like, reaching, trying to get the tag. And all of a sudden, these two, just pick him up and wing him way in the air. And you hear Ricky Morton going, <laughs> Way down or something. <laughs>
2: It'd be amazing. I think they could really work in that, in the vintage era.
1: I agree with you. I think that they would, they would fit in fantastically. All right. Well, uh, did we have any other thoughts we wanted to put in? I'm sorry. I know I'm trying, it it seems like I'm trying to rush this to the end, but my voice is getting teetering on the edge. (laughs) Did, did we have any other
2: thoughts we wanted to put in or any,
0: tonight, guys? I'm good. So no, I,
2: th- I think we actually had some good, really good discussion on the tag team uh, yeah. version of this.
1: So just for a quick review, the vintage teams that we think would do well in the present was
0: <clears throat>
1: Bad Company, um, Midnight Express, and the Fantastics. And the current teams we think would do well in the past are Butcher Blade, Young Bucks, and FTR. So, uh, everybody out there, we would love to hear what your thoughts are on this. Do you think we're off base? Do you think there's something you hadn't thought of? Do you agree with us? Hit us up on social media. We would love to hear from you. And so, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.